All right. So if, uh, how many of you have had that happen to you? Where <laughs> God has just kind of just shown up and... What would you do? My response would be very similar to his, right? You've got to be kidding me. Although your, one of your nipples is a quarter inch, I'd have been like, what? <laughs> Confusion. But I, I think I, I, what we wanna, I want to get to today is that um, as we're studying in our, our Advent series is that that really did happen. Where God really did come to earth in a physical form. He really did show up. He really did gather his disciples around and say, I want you to go forth and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them the things that I have taught you, right? And I will be with you always, all the way till the ends of the earth. He really did that. He really showed up and dwelt among his people and gave them a task to do. And I would imagine that they very much had a similar response, right? I would imagine that, that Mary, when, when the angel came to her and said, you're going to have the Lord's child, was kind of a similar kind of, this is, this, no, this can't be happening, Right? How could this possibly happen? This is outside of anything I would have ever considered. I, I must be on LSD, right? I must be hallucinating. Something must be wrong. Maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night, right? I would feel that way if I suddenly started to see God right there next to me. And yet it really happened. As we, can sit, as we continue in our study in the book of Advent, we're doing, or, or the study of Advent, we're doing the book of John chapter 1. We're moving our way through that chapter. This week we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Why don't you read along with me? It says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one from whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. And we talked about that last week. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side, has revealed him. It really did happen. And it really hadn't happened ever before. If you go back into the Old Testament, there were times where Moses would encounter God or others would encounter God, but, but it was always a, I'm guarding my eyes, right? No, nobody can see, see him fully because if you've ever looked at him fully, it, you would burst into flames probably. Something would go horribly wrong. You wouldn't be able to take it. And yet we know that he actually did show up. He show up and chose to 
dwell among us. The, that word dwelt in, um, in Greek is skineu, and, it, and it, it means it's the verb form of the, of the word tabernacle. So that it says that the word became flesh and he tabernacled among us, or he pitched a tent among us. Can you imagine that? I was at a, uh, an event not too long ago, and, and the Hartzlers said they, were, they had a, um, a seat left for Jesus right there, right? And so I, and, and I was going to sit in the chair, and I'm like, I'm not sitting in Jesus' lap, right? So I went to a different table. But, but, but think about this. This is, this is, this is what happened. Can, if he dwelt among them, can you imagine Jesus literally walking over and sitting at that, in that chair at that table next to them? What if Jesus walked in the door right now and he took a seat next to you? What if while you were watching a football game, he was sitting next to you in a recliner eating popcorn? Just the, the mere idea that God incarnate, the holy of holies, the, 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 the picture of all things good and wonderful, the creator of the universe, that he would come down and that he would sit with you and dwell with you, that he would pitch his tent with you. I can't even imagine that. And it says that he tabernacled among them that would have recalled for the Hebrews and should recall for us what, it, what the tabernacle meant. It's the, the physical manifestation of God's holiness, his very presence in the earth. We see that first referenced in Exodus chapter 25. In verse 8 it says, they are to make a sanctuary or a tabernacle so that I may dwell or settle down among them, this idea that they were building this place where God would come to and sit among them. It is our hope, I, I think, that, that when, we, when we build a sanctuary like this and we come to sit in a sanctuary together, we hope that the Spirit of God will come and settle among us. For them, it was far more than that. It was the expectation that he was, Spirit wasn't just there, but that he was physically there. It was his physical home, his physical tent that was as much, they were building a house for him to be in. The layout of the tabernacle, its, its contents, its vessels, its furnitures, even the, the materials it was made of all pointed to the character of God, elements of his character. They all pointed to humanity's need to approach him carefully and, and cautiously and respectfully. Which leads us to another purpose. It was the place where God's people could approach Him. If you were walking into the tab tabernacle, you would see this, this bronze altar where the priests made offerings unto the Lord. This altar that was, that was made of acacia wood and then covered in bronze. And then you would see the bronze laver where the, the priests would cleanse themselves before entering this holy place, the holy place that had 11 curtains that were 42 feet by 6 feet that were, covered, that were hung with bronze clasps. And, and some of them were covered of, in ram skins topped with fine leather. And you'd see the table 
the table where the shoe bread lied, or the bread for the face of God. This table that was golden framed, covered in plates and cups and pitchers and bowls of pure gold as well. And then you would see these, these lampstands that remained always lit, always lit for the, the priest to see and for, to demonstrate that the light of God was present with them at all times. They were always lit, these intricate lamps of six branches. They were pure gold. They had six branches, and each branch had three cups shaped like an almond, blossoms and buds and petals. And then the altar of incense which burned in the presence of the Lord as it might be burned in the presence of a human king. And then you'd walk into the Holy of Holies. Well, you and I wouldn't walk into the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest, once a year, would walk into the Holy of Holies. And he would see the ark, the ark of the covenant that was four feet by two feet by two feet give or take, that's not the measurement they would have used. It was covered in gold with a lid on top of pure gold. Can you imagine how much that would have weighed? With golden cherubs at each end. And in between was this place called the mercy seat where God was to take his place and show mercy to his people. In Exodus 25, verse 22, it says, I will meet with you there above the mercy seat between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony. I will speak with you from there all that I command you regarding the Israelites. As grand as all that is, the arrival of Jesus changes that relationship completely because what it does is it changes this from this one time event once a year where only the high priest can come to know Jesus or or come to see God and it turns it into an opportunity for everyone who would choose to follow him to know him to be in a relationship with him I want you to hear how powerful that is. Until, until Jesus, the only way to God was through the priests. But as you sit here today, the way to God is through him, and it's as though he's sitting right next to you. He came here to this earth. He is present. I can almost, I can almost feel him here. There are times when, when I, I know his spirit's here all the time, but there are, are moments when I can feel like if I put my hand out, he's going to grab my hand. Or, or when I, I think that, that I, I have failed so many times, I couldn't possibly be good enough for him to love me anymore. I can hear his voice whispering in my ear, I died for you. You're mine. You're okay. The arrival of Jesus was really, was really, and that's the, the title of the sermon this week, was really the first Christmas gift. 
This, this gift that lets us see the glory of God in our midst. We had Moses who pled repeatedly to see the glory of God, right? Because in, in Exodus chapter 33, he's pleading to see the glories of God, the glory of God, because the people who are following God are driving him bonkers. He's screaming, these are a stiff-necked people. They are not listening. If they could just see you, if they could just see what I have seen, right? Which is just a glimpse. Remember, he didn't look upon God. He just saw the shadow or, the, or from what he could see from behind, hiding his eyes or laying on the ground. And just enough of that was to keep Moses going, whoa, right? If they could just see the glory of God, they would, they would turn to you. They would never question anything again. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah describes this picture of heaven. This picture of heaven, but even the angels at that time aren't able to look at God. Even their eyes are hidden as they're, they're singing his praises. They're not able to see him directly. And yet, John says... The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed His glory. We saw Him, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We saw Him sitting here. We saw a dove descend from the heavens as He was being baptized, and, and we saw it say, or heard it say, right? This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Or if you read Mark's Gospel, we heard Him say, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. We're saying we've seen the glory of God as he's walked about amongst the people and he has healed them, sometimes by a word and sometimes by a touch. Before, we could only hope to get a very slight glimpse of his glory. And it was the priest that would get to see a little more, but, but when he arrived... He became connected and real and available to each and every person who would seek him. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? The cheesy part of me says, my wife. But the Grand Canyon sticks out to me as one of those things that Heather and I were blessed to go see because of the, the generosity of this church. We went to a, a pastor's retreat a few years ago. Had never been there. Boggles the mind. Just absolutely boggles the mind. And you're very much left in kind of this awe. But it is nothing compared to seeing the very glory of God. And that's hard for me to wrap my brain around because I thought that was pretty amazing. Or when you're, you're outside in the north, in Minnesota, it's one of the upsides of it is there are no lights and it's further north and it's dark and you see the aurora in the sky. Or you can sit there and look up at the stars and you can watch the satellites go over and there's more stars than you could ever possibly imagine, right? You can see shooting stars shooting across the skies and you're just going, wow. But how much more is it to be able to see the creator 
and not just merely his creation. This is the gift of what it means to to have the Lord come to the earth, to take a human form, and to make his glory possible for people to see. But it's not just any glory, it's a glory filled with grace and truth. It says in verses 16 through 18, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given to Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Grace and truth. Grace upon grace. Undeserved grace. How many of you have ever told your kids that Santa um, has a naughty and nice list? If you've ever done that, you've probably done that because you're trying to get them to behave a certain way, right? Remember, there's a list. There are two lists. He's keeping track. We sing songs about it, right? One of the mistakes I think we make is we assume that Jesus also has a naughty and nice list. That Jesus is keeping track and somehow keeping score. And I, I, think, I think we think that, as, he, as kind of the men's group was talking about this morning in their class, right? I think we think that because we keep a naughty and nice list. We keep a list where we decide who is good or who is not, who is worthy or who is not to be in our lives or our presence or to receive our grace. And yet Jesus, filled with grace and truth, grace upon grace, does no such thing. And without that, we would all be in trouble. (laughs) the notion that God would choose to come to the earth as a baby, innocent and helpless. And to choose to go through growing up with parents that didn't get him perfectly or that left him at the temple We did that once with our kids. Heather and I were both taking people places from church and and we we were gone 10 minutes going different directions. We were 10 minutes away from the church and I called Heather and I said, hey, you got CJ? I don't have CJ. And Heather said, no, you were taking CJ. Then the phone rings. Where'd you guys go? So, it's good to know that I have something in common with Jesus' parents. (laughs) But the idea that our Lord, our Father, what Father would give up His Son for me? He would come to this earth and provide such a gift. 
a gift that is beyond comprehension, a gift that we, by all rights, are not worthy of, and yet a gift that he offers freely, a gift of grace and a gift of truth, a gift of love, a gift of adoption, a gift of salvation that comes only through one place, through him. My sense is, um, as we get into this holiday season, is that there are a number of us who are having difficulty having grace for others. Grace for others that have wronged us in some way, shape, or form, or grace for others that, that drive us crazy or that cut us off in traffic or that get the last Justin Jefferson jersey. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. One of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift, that the Lord has given us through His Son is grace. Grace for every mistake we've ever made. Grace for every mistake we will make. My hope is that we will be a people that will demonstrate that grace, that will pay forward that first gift of Christmas, that gift that He has given us. And as we look upon others in our world, if we disagree with them or if they've wronged us in some way or if they just drive us crazy because they are something that Heather and I call EGR, which is extra grace required, you all laugh because you know somebody in your life who's EGR. It might even be your spouse. Can I just say, so what if we're EGR? or somebody in your life is EGR, because you realize for Jesus, we're all EGR. We are all EGR. And he came filled with grace and truth and has offered it to anyone who would take him up on it. Now I'm going to pray, and as I pray today, I, I, my hope is that some of us will recognize that we either need more grace or we need to be willing to give more grace. And if you need to come forward, I'm here to receive you, not because I'm great, but because he is. <laughs> if you need somebody to pray with you in this moment, look up, look around. I'll come to you if I need to. Or I'll find somebody to come to you. <laughs> if there's so many. But we are entering a time, especially in this season, where we have an opportunity to be a light shining in the darkness. We have an opportunity to demonstrate grace upon grace. We have an opportunity to show just how grateful we are for this first gift that Jesus gave us in coming to earth and dwelling among us, being our Lord and Savior, pitching his tent and saying, I am here with you through everything. I love you despite everything. <laughs> and you are mine. Amen? Amen? All right, let's pray. Father God, it is mind-boggling to us that you would be so filled with this, this grace that we can't, 
We can't wrap our heads around fully. To provide grace that is unconditional, that is complete, that forgives people that, you know, we could see ourselves never forgiving, but you choose to say, I've forgiven them, and oh, by the way, you too. Father God, I pray that we will be a people filled with grace. I would love for us to be in a place where our hearts um, can't possibly fathom being anything but grace-filled. Lord, in this holiday season where pressures seem to run so high or in our seasons of life where, where things just feel like they're piling up on us, I pray that we will remember, one, to lean into your grace and two, to show it to others. Lord God, we are thankful for this first gift of Christmas, the birth, the arrival of your son. We are thankful for the opportunity to see his glory as we read his word and as we allow the spirit to move our hearts. Let us be a people that live and bask in your grace and that shine it upon others. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.